Well, good morning and welcome to Northridge Church. We're so excited that you're here this morning. Whether you're joining us from one of our campuses, you're with us online, you're going to watch this later, or you're a guest who made New Year's resolutions to come to church this year, man, we're thrilled that you're here this morning. And can I just say welcome to 2018, our first service in 2018. And probably for a lot of you, you're like, man, that that came faster than I, I thought it was going to. But anytime you step into a new year, you jump into a brand new year, I think it's always wise to kind of just push the pause button and and just look over your shoulder over last year as an individual and then as an organization. And I just want to spend this morning just celebrating some of the things God did in our church last year in 2017 because it was a great year and God did some amazing things. It started with launching a brand new campus in Henrietta. Henrietta, we're so glad that you're here. Can we tell them where we're welcome at all of our locations. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. And that started in March when we launched a series called Hashtag for Rock, where we wanted, we said we were a church for our city and our suburbs, the greater Rochester area. And we said that, hey, if we're going to launch a new campus, we've got to raise $500,000. That was, that was the goal we, we placed. And what's so amazing is our church is so generous that we doubled that goal. It was, we said, we committed as a church that we would raise $1,019,000. And I'm here to celebrate with you that this rarely, if ever, happens in a church. But right now, we have 100% of the commitments from that campaign. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Also in 2017, just some numbers that we want to celebrate. Easter, if you go back to Easter, we had 3,000 people walk in the doors of our church. And you can feel free to shout, clap at all of our campuses. Feel free. Let's get a little rowdy and celebrate God in church. It's okay. At Christmas Eve, which was just a couple weeks ago, um, we had four services, three in the morning and one at night. We had over 3,700 people walk through the doors of our church. Yeah. And in 2017... Our church, we, we want to be a generous church. We want to lead the way in generosity, not just with finances, but with our time and our talents. Our church gave over 90,000 hours of serving in our city and with the local church. 90,000 hours of people's time where they sacrificed and invested in our church and in our community. But we also gave away over $400,000 as a church into our city and to missions. We just gave it away for the kingdom of God. And that is just worth celebrating. Praise the Lord. But there's one thing in 2017 that happened that I I just feel like God needed a, uh, he needed to put a little extra emphasis on. Um, We needed a little more of God for this to happen. Because in 2017, the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs. Come on. Can I get an amen? And I just want to challenge all you Bills fans, you know, this is a side note, but don't give the bills more at one o'clock than you give God at nine o'clock. You know what I mean? Don't give the bills more than you give God this morning. And so we're starting a brand new series called Come On In, where we're just for the new year, for the next three weeks, we're giving you a backstage pass to who Northridge Church is, what we do, and why we do it. And some of you might say, well, I probably know all the answers. Why would you do a series like this? But you got to realize that 29% of our church 29 the people, 29% of the people who come to our church have been here a year or less. That's an amazing statistic. And we're starting this series just to give you a reminder or insight to who we are as a church and why we do it. 
But, you know, there's an organization that I really look up to. Um, its headquarters is in Atlanta, Georgia. But it's all around the United States. In fact, it's gearing up to come to Rochester in Greece. I saw in the newspaper the groundbreaking in, for Chick-fil-A in spring. And we can celebrate that again. We celebrated that plenty of times. But I used to live about 25 minutes outside of the headquarters of Chick-fil-A, and I knew a lot of people when I lived in Georgia that worked at the corporate office, and I would always look forward to an invitation to come to the, the, the corporate offices, because when you went to Chick-fil-A, the, the main building in, in, in Atlanta, Georgia, you would walk in, and it was like they would invite you into their story. They would invite you in to, to experience all that they were and what they were built on. As you walked into the doors, off to the right was this small museum that gave you a glimpse into where they started and how they got where they were. Key influential leaders and people who, who navigated them through that journey, they invited you into the basement where they had this full cafeteria where all their employees ate and it was just a buffet of all you can eat Chick-fil-A. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then they would allow you to tour every single office. Whether people were working or not, they would let you navigate all throughout their offices. And you could go to the top floor and you could meet Truett Cathy's assistant. You could walk into Truett Cathy's office. And when he was alive, he would be there often and he would shake your hand. He would sign a book and he would say, thanks for coming. And it was like the whole organization just said, hey, why don't you just come on in and check us out and get to know us? And today, in the next three weeks, that's what we're doing as an organization, as a church, is we are saying, come on in. Get to know Northridge Church, whether you've been coming here for a long time or you're just new and you're kind of figuring out where you want to land. We want you to get to know us. And I'm going to just lay my cards out on the table week one, because I have really two goals for this entire series for three weeks. The first is for those of you who maybe you're new to Northridge. You're, you're checking out church. Maybe you made a resolution to get your family back into church, or maybe you're searching for a new church, or, or you just don't know Northridge. You're new to church. You're figuring out Jesus. My goal for you through the next three weeks is for you just to honestly get the information, for you to know what we stand for, what makes our heart beat, and why we exist in Rochester. And so you can make a, a really important decision if this is the church you want to plant yourself in. But if you've been coming to Northridge Church and you would say Northridge Church is your home, this is your church, this is a place you're committed, my, my, my goal for you is that God would reignite a passion in your heart for this local church, that God would put a fire in your heart that says this is my church and I want to take the next step in, in, in that level of commitment for my church because I believe in it. That's my goal, and I would challenge you, as we start this series, I would make a challenge to everybody at all of our campuses, is that you would make a commitment for these next three weeks to be in church, because I think this is valuable information that you need to know. It's all about who we are and why we do and how we do it. So make a commitment for the next three weeks to be here intentionally. So today we're going to start with, I think, probably the most important piece of that puzzle. It's the why. Why? The core of who Northridge Church is. Every organization, whether they're selling hamburgers or they're a church, every organization has a why. A why they exist. Something at the core of that organization that drives them, that propels them. It's the reason why they do certain things. And probably for a lot of you, you know our why. You know our mission here. You hear it probably every single week. It's simply this. Our mission is to glorify God by making more and better disciples. That is why, we are, that is why we're here. 
That's the calling God has given to us as a church and really the big C churches. We are here as a church because we want to bring glory to God through two things. We want to make more disciples and we want to grow better disciples. That is why we are here. But that just isn't a cool statement that we thought, man, that would look really cool on a postcard. I mean, that's, not, not, that's just it's not a cool statement that we thought, man, this, this is great. This would look good in, in a graphic design. Let's just roll with that. No, this is a statement that we believe in. This is the filter and the driving lens for every single thing that we do. It's our mission. But every core of a church or an organization has a source. Where did this mission come from? Well, there's two locations. Really, ultimately, it comes from God. God is our source, but two specific locations. The first one is the Bible. It's the Bible, it's God's word, his perfect and holy word. And here at Northridge Church, we cherish the Bible as our authority for life. We will stand on the word of God and we will not bend, we will not shift, but we believe that God's word is active and alive today in our lives and it's our authority in life. And we're not gonna bend from that whether culture accepts it or not. We're not going to bend from it, even if it's not popular. The Word of God is something as a church, that Northridge Church, we will always stand on the Word of God. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, you can use one of ours. It's going to be on page 811. And here's a verse that many of you, if you've grown up in church, you've heard before. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It's called the Great Commission. This is the source out of God's word for our mission. It says this, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So right here you see that, that, that piece of more and better. He says, go make disciples. Go reach people who are far from God. Make disciples. And then you see him leading, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's that better piece of growing closer with God. And my fear today is for a lot of us who've grown up in church, who know this verse, who have this verse memorized, who have heard this verse in multiple sermons, thousands of sermons, that this verse has just become numb to us. Ah, I've heard this verse before. I know I'm supposed to make disciples. And it's lost its flavor in our hearts. I'm afraid that sometimes when we hear the Great Commission, we just, ah, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to make disciples. But I pray when we read this verse, it reminds us of the calling that God has placed on our hearts and our lives as Christians, not just as a church, but as individuals, that we should be passionate about making more and better disciples. This verse should stir something in our heart that breathes a fire like, man, I'm here on earth not to just to make a lot of money, not just to go to work, but God wants to use me. And this is the source of our mission, first it starts with God's word and then it moves to the second piece, the gospel. The greatest story to ever impact our world. The gospel. I mean, if we really believe that the gospel is the greatest story, why wouldn't we share it? Why wouldn't we tell people about it? You see, our, our stories interact with the gospel, but I think for a lot of us, you know, who aren't used to church language, the gospel is a unique word. Because if we've grown up in church, we know what the gospel is. We've heard it over and over again. But for a lot of us who didn't grow up in church, we hear the gospel and we wonder, what is 
the gospel. Well, defined, it just means good news. I don't like that definition because it's the best news. It's the greatest news. But I want to walk you through the gospel because I wonder, for those of you who know Jesus Christ, if someone was supposed to ask you, let's say someone asked you, hey, what's the gospel? And show it to me in scripture. I wonder if you could do that. And I want to walk you through, this is called the Romans Road, this is the gospel, because the greatest news in history started with bad news. Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the bad news is we're all sinners. Romans 5.8, it says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our sin, God intervened. Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 10.13, the best news, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, that is the gospel. That when we were at our darkest hour, when our sin, there was a penalty for our sin and we couldn't pay it, God loved us enough to send his one and only son to die on a cross and rise again and be victorious over our sin to give us life. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and believes in him will be saved. That's the gospel. And man, the gospel should never get old to us. The gospel should be this message of hope for all of us because even myself, I was once lost, but because of the gospel, Jesus found me. So we want to be a church that makes more and better disciples, but this is where it gets hard. You see, it's easy as an organization to say, here's our mission statement. Here's why we exist. But to live that out as an organization, it gets really hard because more and better almost pull against each other. You see, there's a lot of churches in America that are really good at more. They're really good at attracting people who are far from God, but discipling them, they kind of miss the boat. And there's a lot of churches that are passionate about discipleship. They're passionate about growing people in their walk with God. But the problem is people far from God would never walk in their doors. And this is where it gets really difficult. This balance, this unique balance of more and better. Not more or better, but more and better. See, that's hard. And we don't always as a church keep that balance perfectly. I mean, it's really hard, but we fight to keep this balance to be a church that reaches people who are far from God, but walking with people and equipping people to walk with God, whether they've been following Jesus for a year or 50 years. So let's take a deeper look into more and better by breaking them down so you understand what we are about. Let's start with more disciples. Do you realize that more is where all of our stories begin? More is where all of our stories Begin. Do you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, more is where your story began. Because someone cared about you enough, someone loved you enough to share Jesus with you. Someone invited you maybe to church or your parents brought you to church and taught you who Jesus was. You see, more is where all of our stories begin. And it's where my story begins. Man, I'm so thankful that I had a mom and a dad who set a living, breathing example of who Jesus was in my life. That they pushed me to the gospel. That they showed me the gospel of who Jesus was and what he came to do for me. And because of that, I made a personal decision to put my trust in Jesus Christ. But more is where my story and your story begins. When we realize the gospel and we want to be a church 
We want to be a church that is reaching people with the gospel. We want to be a church that goes in our workplaces. We want to be a church that goes into our, the colleges in our city. We want to go into downtown in our suburbs with the gospel, the greatest news in history. We want to be a church. And when I say church, I don't mean buildings. I mean people. We want to be a people who walks out the, the doors of all of our locations with the gospel wherever we go. We believe that. And sometimes that's messy. Sometimes it's hard. God will take you to places where you feel uncomfortable. He'll put you in conversations that you just don't feel like you're capable of having. But we want to be a church that is reaching people with the gospel. I want you to just for a second, let's, let's just, this might be a scary statement, but just go with me. Let's remove God from the equation for a second. Let's just get him out of the way for a second. I know you're not supposed to say that in church, but I just did. What's the greatest news outside of God that you've ever heard? I mean, the best news that you've ever received in life. Maybe it was you got that job that you've been hoping for. Maybe it was you're going to have a baby. See, the greatest news, if outside of receiving the grace of Jesus Christ in my life, I know exactly what it is. I can go to it in a split second because I know. A lot of you know the journey of Ashley and I trying to get pregnant. It took us a long time to get pregnant. It was doctor's office visits, and we didn't know if we were ever going to be able to have a baby. And I remember Christmas Day about four years ago. Christmas Day... I wake up and there's this gift on a pillow and I open it and there it is. It's a positive pregnancy test. And it was the best news that I've ever received. I, I mean, I can't tell you, I get emotional thinking about it because it was something that I never thought I would ever see, something that we never thought we would get. And it, 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 the emotions and the excitement was amazing. But can I tell you something? That doesn't compare to the news that Jesus rescued me from my sin. That doesn't compare. Having a baby pales in comparison to what Jesus did. And if we really believe the gospel and that it's changed our life and it's the best news that we've ever received, why would we stay silent about it? Why wouldn't we be passionate about going in our neighborhoods and our college dorm rooms and our businesses and everywhere we go and just declaring with our lives by living out the gospel for people to see? Our church, Northridge Church, will be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. This, that's what the gospel, you see, this church will be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Because I think a lot of churches fall into this trap where they become this country club for Christians. Where they all gather together and it's this happy day where all the Christians sit in the same seat and if a guest was ever to walk into the church building and they would sit in someone's seat, we would stare them down until they moved in the name of Jesus, get out of my seat. We sing the same songs, the songs that we like, we play the music that we love because it's become this country club where we gather. The problem is, is... People far from God would never dare walk in the doors because they'd be afraid to offend somebody or be judged. And I want our church to be a place where sinners feel welcome. Sinners like me that feel freedom when they're searching for hope. They know Northridge is a place where they can find it. When they're broken and their marriage is falling apart and they don't know where to turn, they know they can come to Northridge Church and find restoration, not by some preacher, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We want to be a hospital for sinners, not some museum that collects more and more saints. Because it, it leads me to this question that has really, I've been evaluating a question that has kind of not haunted me, but something that I've been thinking about and one wanting to know the answer. And I think this is a question that we should evaluate, a question that we should think through in the lens as an organization. And it's simply this, if Northridge Church ceased to exist today, would anybody outside the church notice? And I wonder what the answer to that question is. Let's just say that for some reason, Northridge Church closed the doors of all four campuses. We turned our on, online stream off, and all the Christians that represent Northridge Church just decided to move out of Rochester. Would Rochester know we left? My prayer is that the answer to that question is yes that there would be a significant impact missing in this city because Northridge Church isn't there anymore. And I think that's a question that we have to be evaluating on a regular basis. So we want to be a church that reaches people far from God. But we also want to be a church that is helping people who know Christ become a better disciple in walking with Jesus. How do we do that? You see, our church will equip people to grow by taking their next steps with Jesus. We want to be a church that not only reaches people who are far from God, but we want to help people who are walking with God, whether it's one year or 35 years. We want to help you and we want to push you and we want to motivate you and equip you to take your next steps in your progress in walking with Jesus. I mean, do you realize that's why we gather on a weekly basis? You see, I think for a lot of people, they don't realize the significance of every Sunday. Because I, I, I think we believe that, you know, we just gather on a Sunday because it's traditionally what church has always done. We gather weekly, we sing some songs, we come together, we hear a message from God's word, and we check the box, and we went to church, it feels good. Some of you came to church because you believe that, man, if I go to church, the Bills have a better chance of winning today. <laughs> and that's okay, I'm glad you're here. But I, do, we, do we really understand why we gather on a Sunday? Every Sunday. You see, we come together not to do some traditional thing. We come together to equip you, to motivate you, to challenge you, to lead you to a place where on Monday you're digging deeper in God's word, where Tuesday you're having conversations with your coworkers about Jesus. We lead you, we gather together at four campuses to worship a holy God who is worthy of our worship so we would leave this place and enter to the city of Rochester and the suburbs of Rochester and the colleges of Rochester to do damage for the kingdom of God and city we live in. That's why we gather. It's not some traditional thing. It's to equip you and motivate you and challenge you to do and live out the gospel where God takes you. And I wonder how many of us are doing that. We want to lead you to a place where you're taking progress. You're making progress in your walk with God. I don't think God's looking for you to be perfect. I think he's looking for you to take a step every day. Take a step. And we want to equip you to take those steps. But here's what's interesting about better. Is if you go to more, there's really no variation in, in more disciples. That's just we want to lead people to make that decision to follow Jesus. But better disciple, if I were to ask, if I were to do a poll in, in the life of our church, what is a better disciple? Probably for a lot of us, we would answer differently. There's variation in what does it mean to become a better disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think when there's variation, we got to go back to God's words for clues of what a better disciple is. 
how do we define that? And I think it starts with knowledge. You see, you have to have the knowledge. You have to have the information. You have to know who God is, who Jesus is, and what his word says. It starts with that knowledge. We have to be digging deep into scripture. We have to be knowing God's word and where it's leading us in life. But here's the thing about knowledge. Is knowledge alone never really changed anybody. I mean, I know a lot of people who have knowledge. Knowledge of what a healthy diet looks like. But that knowledge of that eating fruits and vegetables is probably healthy for you, has never changed anybody. It's never made you eat fruits and vegetables. I know a lot of people, myself, who have the knowledge how to change the brake pads in my car. But that knowledge has never changed those brake pads. It's amazing. I wish it worked that way. And I think a lot of us have fallen into this trap where we think a better Christian or a better disciple of Jesus Christ is knowing all the right answers. It's knowing what God's word says. Yes, those are all valuable things. And we as Christ followers should have this passion to be in scripture. But it's only half of the equation. You see, a better follower of Jesus Christ has the knowledge plus the obedience to what God's word says. That makes a better disciple. When you take what God's word says and who God is, when you fall in love with Jesus Christ more and more, it leads you to a place where you have the, the knowledge, but you take that knowledge and you say, God, I'll surrender to it. I'll apply it to my life. I'll be obedient to it. In fact, this is what James chapter 1, verse 22 says. It says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do not just collect knowledge for knowledge's sake, but do what it says. I think we have a lot of spiritually obese Christians who know what God's word says, but they never act on it. They never apply it to their lives. And if you want to become a better disciple of Jesus Christ, we want to equip you with the knowledge, but really the obedience, the surrender, is in, it's your choice. It's your decision to follow Jesus and do what he says. Now, what's interesting about better, again, this better is, is all of our stories start at more. We meet Jesus, we understand who Jesus is, and then we grow in this lifestyle of taking steps towards Jesus. We become better disciples. But what's fascinating is when you become a better Christian, when you become a better disciple of Jesus Christ, it actually leads you in this cycle where you go from more to better back to more. And here's what I mean by that. Better disciples have a passion in their hearts to reach more people for the cause of Christ. Man, if you're here today and you say, man, I, I'm following Jesus and I love Jesus, but I don't have a passion to reach people for Jesus, you might want to check your heart. Because Jesus led his disciples to a place, he discipled his disciples to a better place where they were passionate about reaching Jesus Christ. The more you fall in love with Jesus, there will be this burning fire in your heart that leads you to a place where you are broken for your neighbor who hasn't met Jesus, where you're broken for your coworker who hasn't placed their faith and trust with Jesus. Let me show you what I mean in scripture. Jesus is starting his ministry and he's got to select disciples. He selects 12 guys to, for him to train, for him to, to, to introduce them to Jesus and his ways. And so Jesus starts calling his first few disciples, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus says to two guys, he says, come 
follow me, Jesus said. And, I mean, really, that's the invitation Jesus gives us all, to follow him, to place our faith and trust in him, to walk with him, to follow in his footsteps. And this is the invitation he gives to his disciples. Hey, I want you to come, and I'm going to invest in you. I want you to follow me for the next three years, and I'm going to use you to start and create this movement. And here's the result, Jesus says. He says, and I will send you out to fish for people. Other translation says, I will make you a fisherman of men. And it's interesting that Jesus trained his disciples for three years. He gave them the knowledge they needed. They, they needed to respond and apply it. But it led them to a place where they would be passionate about reaching people they interacted with every day with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe this better Disciples of Jesus Christ have this burning fire in their hearts for their neighbors that don't know Christ, for their business workers that don't know Christ, for their, the moms you interact with on a regular basis. Our hearts should break for anybody who hasn't experienced the grace of God. So what's the goal? We want to be a church that makes more and better disciples, but what's the goal? What's the end goal? Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And our goal as a church by making more and better disciples is simply this. Our goal is that we would all become fully devoted to Christ. I mean, that's the end result that we would love for my life and for all of our lives is that we would get to a place where we are completely committed, completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. So I'd ask you as we wind down, where are you at in that journey? Where are you in your personal life in that journey of walking with Jesus? Maybe you're here today and church is new to you. Jesus is new to you. And you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus as your personal savior, as your forgiver and leader of your life. And man, I would challenge you at all of our campuses, if that's you and you've got questions, man, talk to us. Talk to your campus pastor, talk to your community group leader, talk to the person who invited you, but don't leave here today without getting those answers to the questions you might have. Maybe today you just gotta surrender and place your faith and trust in a savior who died for you and loves you. But maybe you're here today and you know Christ, but where are you in taking those next steps of gaining knowledge, but obeying that knowledge? Are you fully devoted to Christ, fully devoted in your time, your treasure, your talents? Are you fully devoted in your marriage, in your singleness? Are you fully devoted in where God has you right now? I think as you start a new year, I think it's, Great, to take a, just a moment and really figure out where you are on your spiritual journey. You know, one thing we would ask uh, everyone to do at all of our campuses is as you leave our auditoriums at all of our locations, you're going to get one of these. This is a, a door hanger. And what it says on this door hanger, it says, what keeps you coming to Northridge Church? And if you are here at Northridge Church and you love it, we would love for you just to put maybe a couple words on there. What keeps you coming to Northridge Church? And the whole purpose is as you leave, in our lobbies, there's doors. You probably saw them when you came in. They say, come on in. And there's nails on those doors where you'll throw this up. And we want to see next, the next couple weeks, we want our guests to see why people come and keep coming to Northridge Church. Because at the end of the day, we exist. We really do exist to keep this healthy balance where we are a church that is attracting people who don't have hope and are in need of hope. And we want to be a church that 
helps people walk and grow closer to God every single day by taking their next steps in knowledge and obedience. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the mission that you've given this church. Thank you for the leaders who have impacted this church over the course of over 100 years. Pastors and volunteers and servants who have committed to this church generously through their time and their treasures and their talents to make it what it is today. And God, I pray that 2018 would be an amazing year in the life of our church where we just have this burning passion in our hearts to reach people far from God and that we would be passionate about in our own lives growing closer to you and becoming a better disciple of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen.